Now, a few words before we get into this particular episode. The stories you'll hear are drawn from personal experiences. And we're exploring and discussing commonalities in terms of these experiences and exploring whether behaviour towards black women in senior positions through our experiences is something that needs attention. What this is not is an attack or critique of black men in general who we love and uphold as our brothers. So think Angie Stone's track, Black Brother. We're there. Sandra, Sandra and Sandra. Once again, on your airways, having a bit of fun, talking about some serious stuff. And one of the most important things, I think, because we are a wee little sisterhood, some would call us a coven, but I think we're a sisterhood. <laughs> <laughs> Stir that part. Yeah. <laughs> it's just to see how you are, ladies. So let's do a check-in. And I'm going to start with Sandra Green. How's your week been, love? Um... Busy mm-hmm. as usual, and uh, yeah, it's been a trying week, but uh, but busy. Do I think I've moved forward in some ways? I think every day is a growing day. Oh hey! So um, learn something new every day, whether that's about people or about myself, and especially uh, work-wise, I I almost have to give myself a pat on the back, even through the struggles of hot flushes um. and sleepless nights. Yeah, I took a tablet the other day and wondered why I was staying up all night. It's for energy. <laughs> but I thought this because the brain is. You took it at bedtime. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's from Holland and Barrett. It's not like any sort of summit off the street. <laughs> but I thought during. When I got. I had my food and I, I sort of settled down and just. I was going to bed. I thought, oh, I forgot to take the tablet. And took it and then spent the night like awake and like thinking, what the. What the Honestly. <laughs> What the hell's going on? Honestly. And it wasn't until I got up and sort of was travelling to work that I realised that I'd taken this energy tablet thing and that's what kept me up. But at but least you know it works. This is it. I was quite surprised. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was quite weird because I was absolutely exhausted, but I just couldn't sleep. Oh. But um, but yeah, every day is a learning day. Mm. And um, so I'm going to take that. Um, yeah, just all the little things, basically. Yeah. Learning little bits of knowledge, hearing great podcasts, mm. Um and yeah, just uh, just enjoying stuff. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Sandra Gordon, how have you been? Do you know I've been good? Yeah. It's um yeah, I've re- I'm really enjoying just kind of going out and just taking in black culture at the moment. Uh-huh. And I think sometimes um, it always makes me laugh. Um, my friends in London, they they don't go. It's on your doorstep. Oh, that's what yeah, that's. You know. I'm a Londoner. That's I, what I forgot. Do. I forgot. I'm talking to two Londoners. Exactly. It's like classic London trait. I feel I sometimes. Do go. Yeah, but I you're in Bristol now. I didn't. <laughs> I, I ain't going with you. <laughs> but it's, you know, and I there's just so much of, of it. And sometimes I feel that you just need something to enrich your soul. Absolutely. And just get your mind, you know, being creative and thinking in a different way. And we just need that motivation, energy and passion. 
you know, I got to go to my first Alvin Haley contemporary African dance. Sandra, yeah, time for you know. Did she look a bit bad though? I was gonna say you need to explain to the listeners what my face is doing right yeah. now. <laughs> Or as she was flicking through the magazine. Yeah, yeah. Really? Re- oh, oh, I'm so jealous. Oh. <laughs> so jealous. Wow. Well, I won't I won't talk too much about it. No, I don't do. want Sandra for dagging me here. Do. <laughs> talk all your yeah. life. Oh, it, it was just, as, as Sam will know, you know, just to go and see Black the ballet. movement. Yeah, the movement mm. and... Mm. Oh, it was amazing. You know, forget Strictly, mm. which I know is back now. Um, you know, to go to something like that and mm. just kind of see the black movement and creativity oh, was fantastic. You know, um, there's some great exhibitions at mm. Somerset House. Mm. You know, it, maybe it's the season. There's yeah. a lot more of us sprinkled around um, mm. the capital well, at the moment. A lot of the time it's whether you can afford to go, whether you can mm. travel and you've got the time. Mm. But if you do have the time and you can afford it, then go. Yeah, Yeah, but I would say... Sometimes we, if you, if you can do something during the week, you'll find that it's cheaper. Mm. I paid £9 return to go to London yeah, on the coach. That is nothing. Yeah. I, it cost me more on the Uber just to go to the coach station. I was tell well vexed. Me. I was well vexed. <laughs> I tell you. Tell me. So you can do it cheap. And yeah. there, there's been times when I, you know, I thought, right, I just want to go theatre. I've paid like £10, £20 to go theatre. Mm. You, can, you can get a one ticket. But you know when you're trying to do a Saturday, it's going to be more expensive. Yes. So sometimes we have to think out the box to yes. do these things, to take it in. But yeah, so I've been enjoying that that energy and that creativity. That That is we. Okay, that's lovely. What about you, sis? Did you, can you hear it in my voice? That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely. Do you also want to tell us what you did for your birthday? Because you've had a birthday since oh my, we've done a last Happy episode. birthday. I forgot the present, but happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, gosh. Um, Vegas. Oh, there yeah. we are. Mm. <laughs> Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas. You yeah. can find some straggler outside there to marry in one of the, oh. in one of the Elvis tents. No, I, son, I wasn't in no Elvis tent. I'm oh. in a Maxwell tent. Hey. If only Maxwell was, yeah. <laughs> if only security wasn't there, you know. But what can I say? <laughs> what can I say? You're not allowed to do that anymore. Oh. Throw stuff on the stage. What my? I, I need my knickers. Where, where's that going? <laughs> I, was about, I was talking about a hanky with your number on. Oh, oh for goodness' sake! What? what? Sam, who carries a hanky around? I don't know. It's, it's more like me a, a menopause fan. <laughs> that will hurt if it hits him. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. What about you, girl? Come on. <laughs> All right, stop it. So me, yes, I am. I'm good. Mm. I'm good. This is going into my kind of witchy kind of year, which I love because it's my... Big birthday coming up, and I still haven't done anything about it. I kind of know what I'm like. Um, I'll probably just do something last minute. I don't know. Come on, make the plan. But, yes, I I kind of like this time of year, um, but I am mourning summer a bit. I just don't feel like I've had enough of a summer. Mm. So this drawing in the in of the night and it's getting dark at half past i'm not happy mm. i'm like no 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 this is way too soon so but other than that i have joined a gym for the first time in oh my, my life god <laughs> i know right i am a gym bunny i was up there at half past seven the other morning 
doing? On the treadmill, Ooh. on the bike, on the rowing machine. This is not you just sitting Actually, there. I just, I just, I just, I just, I just a picture. I was going to say, I walk past the rowing machine. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. And then I do the, the, the thing that does your bat wings. You know, oh, that, that oh yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. It's great. I love it. But <laughs> what, your arms think. aching the next day, son? No, because I've got to the stage now where it doesn't hurt. <laughs> Go on, say it. I'm not working hard enough. No, exactly. But no, but <laughs> I've got past that initial point where your body wakes up yeah. and goes, what the hell's going on? Ah. So I've got past that point because I was doing workouts at home before oh. I joined the gym. Okay. Because this is all about the age I'm reaching in November and the need for me to feel the best ever. I want to live my best life yeah. from mm. here on in. I'm taking inspiration from you girls about being spontaneous about just getting on and doing things that make you happy. I'm not quite there yet. I'm not so, so spontaneous. I can always think of a reason not to do something, but <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. And the other thing that happened is my dad turned 100. Whoa. Whoa. Well, wow. Yes. So we all went down to his care home, all the siblings, and helped him celebrate his 100th birthday. 100. Wow. wow. That's, That's big. That's some big numbers. The first and only one in the family. And he knew what was going on as well, which was nice. Oh. Yeah. Which was nice, yeah. What do you get a card from the king then? He did. Ah. Yes, it's got the king, uh, His Majesty the King, and on the front. Nice little message inside. So he oh. was. Uh, Happy 100th birthday. <laughs> that's it, yes. Ah. yes. How did they know? Because the. Do you know what happens? The DWP contact you. And they ask you whether you would like it, which I think is actually quite nice. Oh, right. Okay. So, so is it automatic then? No, it's not automatic. Oh. They actually have the courtesy of saying, would you like it? So because my sister's got power of attorney, they contacted her and said, we understand that Mr. Trotman is coming up to 100. Would you like a message mm. from His Majesty the King? And um, I said, well, yeah. Good anyway, congratulations to my girl for that MBE anyway. Thank you, darling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And big up to dad, thank you. And big yeah. up to dad on hitting 100. I think Absolutely. we've got some good genes now, family. Good, yeah. let's hope it long may it continue. Absolutely. Son, just the way you go into the gym, you've got a long time for it. You know, Many years ahead, girl? You know, I hope so. Mm. I hope so. Because I want to be in the best shape. I've, I have, I've known for a while that exercise and looking after yourself is no longer an option. It's actually a necessity as you get mm. older. And I finally hit the point where I was so disgusted with myself and how sedentary I'd become and how everything hurt, especially in the middle of the night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't ask. You know, the toilet run. The toilet um, run. Oh, 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 Sam. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, it's just getting up the steps. You it's not like, that you know, many steps. I've got one. Jeez. <laughs> Just thinking outside. What, what is hot toilet there? I know. Should have got one. I think everything was on the same level. Yeah. <laughs> no, look at the physics. You lie in bed for something like four hours on one side. That hip is not moving. Nothing's moving. Do you groan? And then I sort up? of get up and I kind of go, oh, oh, law. Oh, all right oh. then. Yeah. Things have got to snap back before I can start moving. Uh. So I'm doing something about it, is the point. Good. I'm going to be super fit. Like one of those women you see on TikTok. That's where like it's come from. 90, yeah. it's 90 and just sinew. It's yeah. that 90 year old oh. woman lifting weights. That'll yeah, be yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Watch out, girls, I'm coming. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. <laughs> On with the show. We are three women of colour, and two of whom have some 
pretty extensive experience in the media. Um, and I'd really like to find out about that experience a bit more because I've got some thoughts about what I'm seeing out there in media land. So I've kind of called it deliberately, intentionally, provocatively, misogynoir in the media. But let's get real. What's happening out there in media land when it comes to women of colour? Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to have a general discussion, really, with the two of you. And I wanted to start by asking you, in turn, about your past and current experience of working in the media. Well, how long we got? <laughs> Not all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little piece of time to make it good. Whoa, wow. What can I say? You know, I think when I started in the media probably seven or eight years ago, I kind of fell into it. And mm-hmm. um but was excited to do it. it. Certainly wasn't on my bucket list of things to do, but had an opportunity to do it and you kind of learn from it and it was for a black led organization. So that was important to me as well mm-hmm. at the time to get involved in that whole arena. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, for as we know, most black led organizations, we have our ops and we have we don'ts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're there to support, you're there to give your free time, you're there to help the organisation to develop and grow. That's that's why we're all in it for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw me did tink. So that was my original kind so of dip into it. Let me ask you, what aspect of the media was this in though? Was it telly? Was it radio? Was it, you know, something else? What was it? Yeah, it was um, my experiences from a, a radio perspective. Broadcast, yeah. Okay, mm. cool, cool. Mm. And like I said... Um, it, it was good. You get to learn, you get to develop. And at times, you know, there is that real kind of community spirit, which mm. is the thing that you buy into, the thing you love. Mm. And you really want to, like I said, make a difference and really drive through the organisation. Mm. Those were my reasons for going in there. Nice. But, you know, as 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 what normally sometimes happens, you go into these organisations and, and you, buck, you buck some badness. Mm. And all of a sudden the badness start upon you right. as we would say in Jamaica and I'm sure most of my people out there will know exactly what right, I mean by that right, right, right. you know and for someone like myself who's come from and well to be honest like the two queens I've sat with we come from a professional background mm. things we expect things to be done in a particular way uh-huh. and you know what and it's, you know, everybody know how hard it is for us especially as black women when you're in senior positions some of the things you have to do some of the things you have to put up with some of the things mm. you have to deal with and I'd seen that done that for years and years mm. and you know and and done it well you mm. know people have told me I've done it well um and really supported a lot of people on their journey so you go into that mindset you I think sometimes you know what it is ladies you you know you always got your armor up yeah, when you're, you're working course. in white-led organizations unfortunately you, you've got your armor from from your small yeah. your parents tell you mm-hmm. you need to be better you need to be this you mm-hmm. need to, and it's kind of drilled into you mm. My first mistake, you know, when you go into a black-led organisation... You let the armour down. Yeah, me left the armour warm. <laughs> and I really should have worked with the armour. You should double it up. Well, you know. All right, Stan, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought mm. because we're going to come... I really want to dig into some of the stuff that you're saying there, but I'm going to give Sandra Green the chance to just tell us what her past and current experience in media is. I mean, I'll be brief with mine. I mean, the thing is, is that I think with a lot of things, especially when it comes to media organisations, whether that's radio or TV, if you are in any way uh, 
if you if you are presenting a show, then there's always the ego factor that, mm. that a lot of people. Everyone always says that people have big egos when they're going into this. I wouldn't say that I necessarily had a big ego about it. My passion was was that I was able to talk about the things mm. that I loved and play the music that I loved. But um, but other people do have a, 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 an ego and do have a, a sort of sense of they know best, or and it's not in a, in a way that they're actually giving you information or teaching you anything you're being told this is how you should do it so it's ego driven yeah rather than expertise driven. exactly Mm. so it so it it does and i you know i'm up for constructive criticism um but uh but a lot of stuff ended up being quite uh, personal in a way that it was delivered um and i think that uh, especially in grassroots organizations um because you've always got that, it's almost like a pulling and pushing as well in the mm. direction of how organisations are going. Even though there's a mission statement, you, I, what I found is I quite quickly caught on to the fact that it wasn't necessarily about the mission statement mm. in more than the fact it was how somebody interpreted uh, that mission statement. And it was more, people would say, I, I'm doing this for the community, but in fact, it was more about themselves. It was self-serving. Yeah. Mm. And do you think that any of those experiences that you're describing there um, were, I don't know, nuanced in any way because of who you are? Hmm. You know, when I worked in London in, in the media industry, there was, there was, it was a business. So even though that they were relatively new, they, they followed the rules in certain ways, hmm. but their rules in, in sort of Soho rules in media were in media land are slightly different. I think... You know, um, certainly in, in, in grassroots organisations, I think they just make it up as they go along. Mm. Um, Which, to an extent, is or always has been the beauty of pirate and community, is that it's creative, it's left field, and actually it brings some new things to um, the audience and the listeners, which can be quite exciting, really. Um, but really, I suppose what I'm driving at is that you are both women of colour, and you have both worked in broadcast media. What do you think has been different about your experience? Do you think any of your experiences have been because of who you are, as in a woman of colour of a certain age? And I'm actually digging into who you're working with. Who is it that you're working with, and how do they treat you? How do they relate to you? Does anything creep into that relationship, do you think, which has no place being in the broadcast room? Well, I've worked in two different sides of media. I worked in uh, a post-production company, which is commercials, television commercials, film commercials, and it then moved into films. Um, And that's a predominantly, at that time, predominantly white... um, middle class who you know type of organization Mm. so it's almost like there's a bit of nepotism in there as well Mm. so to even get a foot in the doorway was quite unusual but then you're like you know you're the only you're like kenny in (laughs) in south park you you're an anomaly or a novelty or something when you go in there you know you've got your skills but the added bonus is is that you are you know you're a quirky looking black girl Mm. that um you know is uh easy to smile 
um, I sort of fell into sort of broadcast radio. Um, this was after my parents had passed away, and it was a friend of my mother's who came round, and myself and my partner have a love of music. So there was always music playing in the house. She liked the music, and she said, "Would you mind joining me on a show uh, that I do for a radio?" And um, and I had word of my other half, and we thought, "Yeah, you know, let's give it a go." Because yeah, there's music that I love that's just not played on the radio mm. at all. Um, and so my first experience was with a a, a community radio station, the small P Pirate, <laughs> um, which are community radio stations originally, because mm. uh, there are no holds barred on a lot of them. Mm. And this particular one, there was no holds barred. It was a pro black radio station, and what was an issue was the not all the men. But one man in particular mm. um, that worked there mm. because, um, yeah, he made it an issue because of, he made it very personal. So okay. that became an issue. Mm. But uh, but then after moving from uh, London to Bristol, I found myself in another community, not pirate community, but uh, another community uh, radio station. So, uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a different experience there, mm. and um, but yeah, but not not that different to, I suppose, what I'd experienced before. Even though I expected to to be a little bit more professional. Right, got it. Okay, so you both dipped your toes, well, all of your ten toes and foot and everything in broadcast radio, community based, and you've done a bit of telly and and that sort of thing as well okay so let's get into it now because what I want to hear about is how you as two professional black women have navigated the waters of our media industry and what experiences you felt and actually also a very key question how has it felt to you as a woman of colour do you feel that you are given the respect that you are due? Do you think there are some cultural things that creep in uh, when you're working in uh, black-led or minority, global majority-led, I should say, um, uh, outfits, etc.? Yeah, you know, I think from a, a personal perspective, the issues I had was a clash. Some people say a clash of personalities. I, don't, I think it's deeper than a clash of personalities. I think sometimes when you have... Um, when you're faced, when a black man is faced with a black woman that can see right through you, can see through the BS, they can see through the 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 vision that they try to present to everyone, mm-hmm. then you then that becomes an issue for them. Not for me because I'm professional. Mm-hmm. I can work with you. I'm in a like you because mm-hmm. <laughs> all of us do that on a daily basis. Mm. I can do the professional piece, mm. but when you come across someone who's clearly clearly lacks confidence in themselves, mm. clearly um, realises that actually, you know, maybe this one line I've been using on everybody else, not everyone's here in that line. Mm. Or even when you've got individuals that try to manipulate you and then you stand up and say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Mm. This is how things should be done. Right. Then you come across the narcissist. They then work out, well, what's my next move? Because mm. I can't manipulate this woman. I'll sweet talk her or, wh- or mm. whatever other things they think they can do with you. Mm. Then it turns to, I need to move her because she's stopping me from doing something else. Uh, Or actually every day she's making me feel inferior. She's making me feel substandard to myself. Mm. I can't have her in the same room as me. 
So let me try and bully her out, you know, on a personal perspective. I guess some people, um, they will say you need to know your enemy when you're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess sometimes people make particular moves based on themselves mm-hmm. and not on the person you're trying to do something to. Right. So, you know, like I said, insecurity, these people are only worried about their name. They're worried about what people might think about them. You know, anyone that keeps telling you how amazing they are straight mm-hmm. away. I'm sat there thinking, I ain't seen you doing anything amazing, but you keep telling me you're amazing. That's an unhealthy ego right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Uh, yeah. you know, and you've mentioned the ego piece. Mm. So when you come across those people, they then resort to type. Mm. They've probably done this sort of stuff before, Mm. to be honest. They start to make moves on you. Right. You know, and and there was a first move. Mm -hmm. And I guess for me it's interesting because... It's not as if people haven't tried this stuff before in the corporate world <laughs> and we can't see it and our back, we've got our backs covered. Not as much. Like I said, I did leave the little arm at home mm-hmm. and that was my first mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone's starting on you, you need to like make sure you're walking with the armor and another coat mm-hmm. because, you know, they're not going to stop until yeah. they get rid of you. Yeah. You know, even when you try and embarrass, they try and embarrass you and end up, you end, end up embarrassing them. Mm. That happened enough time in board meetings. You know, and you sat there thinking, this is not a professional operation. Mm. This isn't what I'm used to. Mm. You know, when you've got individuals coming into board meetings, bringing their own personal stuff into board meetings, mm. and we're not talking about the things we should be talking about, we end up talking about people's personal lives and, mm. okay. yeah, their own insecurities. And I don't want to hear that in a board meeting. That should There's no place for that yeah. in a board meeting. Mm. You know, and then what happens? They, they really then start to drill down on you. You know, right. they assume because of my legal position in the city most people know what I do mm. she can't have no scandal right. so they try to give me a little scandal do you think so uh, yes yeah, so of course they try to give but right. you know when you're an amateur in what you're trying to do yeah it ain't gonna work yeah well they've tried but mm. as we will find out the challenges that I've had in terms of trying to clear my name of almost two years mm. you know it's real and the other thing I do within the the city is that I try and encourage more women yeah. to go on boards yeah. So how, how ever can I be bullied off a board? Yeah. And I'm the next thing I'm standing up telling people, oh, come, more women, you need to join boards. Yeah. And know- right here, I still haven't joined another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we know that's one of the issues for women who are trying to get on boards. We mm. know we know the, the, the bullying, the misogyny, all the things that women face mm. trying to do this. Mm. So there's no way that I could stand by and let a couple incompetent men try and take me down well you wouldn't anyway would you no. you're just not built that way no number one because of the position that i hold it's about justice mm. even the baddest criminals out there get a fair trial and i'm thinking mm. i don't know where you know i'm seeing proper criminals mm. you know and to think you're trying to label me like mm. that no mm. there's no way but then therein lies you, you present a challenge therefore mm. don't you because of that mm. so they the, the specifically use the term misogynoir because i think there is something very particular about the treatment of um, women of colour in senior positions. Um, and it's almost, sometimes, in my experience, it's, it's a sort of, um, you know when a dog puts its head on the side and looks at you quizzically and is like, I don't really know what to do with her. She doesn't quite fit the mould. Mm-hmm. Hang on a minute. Let me just search through my... <laughs> My repertoire of responses to black women. Small. <laughs> small one. Because I can tell you what it is. It's either you want to shag her or you're going to have to abuse her. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, those, those. Um, I had this comment the other day. Um, walked into somewhere. 
It was a hot sunny day. I was wearing yellow. What do you think was said? Oh, you brought the sunshine. <laughs> oh, actually, I didn't. <laughs> Meteorologically speaking, <laughs> that thing up there just appears. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's not. Got nothing to do with me. <laughs> but, I, th- you know, that's the kind of... So, you, you know, like you're saying, we're long in this skin and we've gone through those things. But what I find almost disturbing is that expectation that when you are working with your own, with your own community that you can relax, that you can actually just be more of yourself. And that's what we want, authentic selves in the boardroom or wherever it is. Um, But then to be met by almost cultural conditioning in relation to particularly women of colour from the Caribbean community. Now, we know what is said about us. What are the tropes that get thrown around about women like us? Oh, God. Go on. Not the angry, mm. angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones because I've pushed them so far out of my mind. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Pushy, gobby, yeah. Yeah. got too much to say for herself. Yeah, and you know what? If you know too much, oh, so yes. she thinks she's nice. Mm. You've yes. got all that sort of stuff. Right. And actually, I'm just working hard. Are we yeah. look. The thing is, is that I think it's. I think we've been sort of spoilt by images of someone like sort of Denzel Washington and you know, Idris Elba, like a, a gentleman. Mm. There doesn't seem to be any gentleman. I think they all died out with, you know, Roy Hackett's generation. There are probably a few. <laughs> Take that back. There are probably a few. <laughs> but I am looking, you know, I expect, I'm a lady. I expect to be treated as mm. such. And with I expect, the, you know, the men that you're working with, especially the black men that you're working with, to treat me mm. like a gentleman. Mm. I am precious. Mm. I need to be mm. looked at, you know, I need mm. to be sort of, you know, nicely treated, yeah. but uh, but no, to to I think for the first time in my life, I felt abused. Oh, <laughs> I never felt, really? you know, and I, I can you know sadly in my family, like my my late sister and other relatives have been in abusive relationships, and I think for the first time in my life, mm. I felt what I felt like that was what it felt like. Right, it felt like abuse. I'd never experienced mm. that at all. Not my my parents, not any previous relationships I've had, never ever. Mm. But that was the first time in my life I actually felt abused, and not to the point where it wasn't enough to abuse you; they had to strip you mm. of everything. Mm. That was mm. something that I'd never experienced before. Okay. Even though you've gone through various different uh, employment statuses with companies and stuff like that, where mm. there's been you know stuff that's been said to me. Mm. Um, you know, and I'm I'm quite mouthy, so you don't really take it on. But I think the last sort of experience that I had, where you know the things that were said, the things that were done, just stripped you. Mm. It was something that I'd never experienced before, and the only word that comes to mind is abuse. Mm-hmm. Because you have, it, it, to an extent, that feeling of I have no control over this. This is being done to me. Mm. Um, unfairly, there is no justification for abuse ever, full stop. But in this situation, it's all—it's almost. Um, I can—I can kind of feel it. It's almost as if—is this really happening? Yes, it is happening. Why is this happening? Oh yes, Sam. What have I have done mm. to deserve this to happen to mm. me? This makes no sense. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, so you do—you wake up, you think, wait a minute, no, this cannot be happening to me. You know, I've done 
30 years in senior positions and I've never, ever had anything like this mm. brought in front of me. So it takes time to try to work your way through it while you're trying to deal with it. Mm. Um, and, you know, the control bit, you feel out of control to start off with. Mm. And I thought, you know, I need to take this thing back. Mm. You know, mm. and I think within the black community, we're too quick to even when we know badness is happening, mm. you know, you get the oh, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh. You, you know, you get all those kind of really um, the sound bites. Yeah. But no action. The shock horror. Yeah. It's interesting because this is a call out society now, isn't it? Quite rightly. You know, people do things. I mean, you know, in some cases you can think, you know, it's gone a bit far. But in actual fact, People are very quick to call things out, very quick to point the finger and say, that's not right, and we're putting a name to it. Um, and this is potentially one of those things that's just dipping under the radar. Because I think there is this massive assumption that because you're working within um, a community, and this happens to be the black community, that it's okay. That everyone's treating everyone with respect, and you all know where you stand, because there'll be some cultural stuff that you can share and, you know, leading to you being your authentic self. And then you hit upon someone who's actually behaving like a narcissist and a misogynist and a sexist and all of that stuff. And it takes your floor away because that's not what you're used to, number one. Mm. And number two, you know, you were talking about the armour not being on. Well, OK, you relaxed the armour because you thought it would be different. Um, so it's almost like a double whammy. It's not what you expect. In fact, it's worse than mm. you expected. Mm. And then they double down. Mm. oh gosh yeah the community sometimes doubles down on mm. it you know and I don't know what it is about sometimes the community don't want to like tell on other people mm. but we're going to chat about it behind them back right you know you will hear the gossips will go around we're good in the community to chat the thing mm. but who's do, who's fighting you who's know doing something about yeah it? and it's funny you mentioned about Roy Hackett you know uh, you know you think about that whole generation mm. you know they just kept going. If something was wrong, mm. they knew it was wrong. They were going to fight for it. They're going to stand up for it. And it takes time. Sometimes but everyone, if it ain't done over quickly, they can forget about it and move on. Mm. But things take time to, yeah. to make things happen, especially in our community. It does take the time. Mm. But we've all got, as we said, when we started this, um, this podcast and we talked about some of the reasons why we wanted to do it and one of the meat reasons was was that we are that generation that straddled two cultures yes so mm -hmm. that's why when we do see our elders we respect our elders mm. we know what our parents were like we know the things that they instilled in us like you know it was it was as something as little as you know going out you had manners when you went out to go and see relatives you dressed for Sunday you wore your Sunday best you know, my dad was like a clothes horse. I've never seen a man dressed. Yes. Well, I have when I go, you know, when you see the older generation, the way they turn out, they're never like in jeans or they're outside, they're in a jacket and a hat and a suit. Um, so they're turned out, they, you know, they smell good. Um, they look good. They might have had dentures, but they certainly would be running around <laughs> with no teeth in their mouth. You know, they, uh, you know, they turn up because yeah. it's like my mum used to say to me, "Yes, because if you get run over today, you end up in hospital." That's right. Oh gosh, yeah, all that the, type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So they were turned up, and they were gentlemen. I mm. never even know, in especially when I think back to the parties and things like that that my parents had. No matter the the one that was the drunk. <laughs> He was still dressed. He was still dressed to the nines. <laughs> he still smelled good. You know what's interesting, though? The generation, of, we're a certain age, the people we're talking about were raised, they were their fathers. Well, so what's happened 
in society that gives, okay, I'm going to call it, men of colour have this attitude towards women like us. So intelligent, successful, um, confident, um, able to speak your mind and be very confident about that, not deferential in any way, um, feminist to whatever degree. Do you know what I mean? We, are we not put together. A, <laughs> stunningly put together. <laughs> stunningly put together. And it takes work. Exactly. <laughs> Which needs to be appreciated. But what, and I suppose the point I'm driving at is, is that all too much? Because I know that whilst I haven't had the experience that you two have had, um, I know when I'm being sidelined or patted on the head by a brother. I know it. I know when it's happening. You don't want to hear from me. You don't want to hear my voice. Mm. Or you want to spend the 10 minutes we've got together telling me about yourself and how brilliant you are. Now, I never took it as you're trying to impress me. The way that it lands with me is, oh, we're ranking. (laughs) This is a ranking game. And I've probably said too much or I've made you feel uneasy in some way because I'm not deferential. Um, You know, I'm just me. I'll speak my mind. I don't care who's in the room. But that does appear threatening to some people. And I don't know whether it goes back, Sandra Green, to some of the stuff that you were saying about that generation before and the conditioning Mm. that men who we are working with today have experienced. Because... Our mothers worked, but I know that my mother was not wearing the trousers in my dad's eyes. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? There was no equality there. Mm. He was the man. Yeah, yeah. And those are the people that raised the people that we're talking about now. That's what I mean about some of the cultural aspects of our community coming into the boardroom. It is, but I think it also straggles across the African community and also the Caribbean community. And obviously there's some difference Mm -hmm. um, that perhaps we're not aware of. And you find yourself, you know, you know, without going into stereotypes, there there is a vision that Mm. perhaps is created of the African man, but against the his expectations of the African woman or the black woman. This is true. Yeah, and having to then deal with those cultural Mm. perspectives as well. It is tiresome, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, Sam, there's also this piece about understanding the weak man and women, us black women having to deal with that, yeah. you know, and, and there's a lot of women out there that have had to play mother and father, mm. you know, and now, you know, we can go into a whole conversation around black masculinity and them feeling that certain things have been taken away from mm. them. And in some respects, maybe yes, but in some respects, don't use it as an excuse. That's not an excuse to no, beat, beat down a sister. Yeah, 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 there's been loads taken away from us. Well, yeah, precisely, that, I mean, precisely. I mean, when you talk about you know you, when you mention that sort of um, you know when you do respond to something eventually, mm. it's not the first time something's happened. Yeah. That's because it's happened so many times. <laughs> but this time, it's like, hang on a minute. Yeah, it's got to the point now. Where I've got to say something. Mm. It's it's interesting to me because, you know, I've, I've used the word misogynoir deliberately. And what I didn't do is is unpack that, really. Um, so I'm going to do that now. It is a contempt or ingrained prejudice against uh, black women, specifically. 
And when I look at, I, you know, I know about, you know, because we're friends, I know about your experiences. Um, and, you know, they have been rough. You know, you put up with some things that are just so outrageous, I can't even imagine how you weathered them. It's pure lies, son. I think that's the thing for me. It's just pure mm. lies and how people get away with it. Yeah. Or try to get away with it. Yeah. And because there is a need to almost take you down. There's a need for you to be not in the room and we'll just try anything to get you out of the way. And I, it makes me sad that that may be because of someone's, you know, insecurities, um, wherever they come from, conditioning, culture, whatever it is. But if I look across, if we take it slightly outside of your personal experiences and I look at other black female broadcasters, people in the media, presenters, etc., I then start wondering, actually... Do, do some names that we know, actually, are they treated differently by mainstream media and the rest? So if I, you know, if I talk about Afua Hirsch, um, Kalechi Okafor, if I talked about the great Dr. Shola Moss Shogbamimu, and if I think about when they appear on television and how they are treated, I think to myself, okay, there's something here. Even Wendy Williams... Well, you know, she's an acquired taste for a lot of people. Definitely. But if you look at the press, if you look Mm. at the way, forget whether you like them or not, look at the way they are treated because they are loud, proud activists in some cases. They have something to say and they have a platform to say it. And it almost feels to me like, oh, no, people do not like that. Whoopi Goldberg pops to mind. There you go, another one. Yeah, they don't mention anybody else. Any of the others. When Whoopi says something, it makes the headlines. Thank you. It makes the headlines. That's what I'm saying. So is there this almost, you know, (laughs) you see now where my very positive little head goes, um, and maybe it's because I'm a bit of a Scorpio and I love that, I kind of go, oh, yeah, because we're really scary, aren't we? (laughs) <laughs> yeah of course they're really scary yeah, absolutely son you know there's, there's people worried about power you know at yeah. the end of the day Black women are powerful yeah and they don't want an uppity woman doing stuff you mm. know they got they go into and there's the stereotype that they need to fulfill and every time you know you know we're seeing that we're not in the position or the place that they think we should be mm. it's time to move us down mm. it's time to bully us mm. you know and unfortunately social media makes it so easier for these individuals to be targeted constantly. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It takes a lot. I admire those women. I take a, It takes a lot to put up with that level of abuse. It really does. You know, if I think what I went through, and these women are getting this on a daily basis for By just showing hundreds up. Hundreds of people. Yeah, mm. just showing up, mm. yeah. you know. It's absolutely but traumatizing. It, yeah. it is, but it's time for women to stand up and not allow it. You know, mm. women, come on, support sisters yeah. in, in these things. Yeah. Don't just... I think Sam mentioned it earlier about people think about their own position first. Yeah. We're humans. We tend to do that. Yeah. How's it going to affect me? Oh, God, I can't, I can't make a move because it's going to mash up my thing. Mm. Sometimes mash up your thing to build it back up. Yeah. Don't just let the badness continue because you're worried about your own position. Yeah. Think about what's right. Think about what's wrong, mm. you know, and, and think about allowing people to continue. Mm. You know, and mm. that's the problem. We allow people to continue. Mm. And I remember interviewing... Um, Ngozi and she was talking about sister space and she was talking about how um black women keep trying to save the black man uh-huh. no matter how much time in my lick you down beating you down a lot of women don't want to don't want to call the police don't want to call the authorities don't want to 
put their men under pressure mm-hmm. to go through, as we know, the challenging criminal justice system for them. Yeah. But we're going to save them. Yeah. The black man is saving you, yeah. but we're still there trying to save them. Isn't so that what's that mentality about sometimes black women yeah. trying to save the black man over the black woman? Well, I can't believe he would have done that. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. done that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And that, again, is something that's quite difficult to, to deal with. Mm. So we sometimes we talk about sisterhood. Yeah. At what point? Sometimes we ain't got no sisterhood. We're letting a sister just stand out there, you know, so suffering. So there's a action, actually. Because, you know, I, I made a little list. If I, you know, if we were all, and I'm sure they do have supporters and stuff. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So if we call it out, um, even at, at our level, which compared to someone like Apple Hirsch or Wendy Williams is, is micro. You know, their worlds are very, very different. But I think the point you're making, San, is absolutely right. It needs to be called, it needs to be exposed, mm. this behaviour. And I think what's interesting about what you say about um, saving uh, or protecting the black men is I'm sitting here thinking, have I felt that level of protection? No, I haven't. I have felt like I've had to be out there swinging on my own. And I, I absolutely have not felt you know, that there's someone who's got my back there. I've had mentors, brilliant mentors, they've all been black women. They really have. And the one black men oh, the one black mentor I did have who was male, what did he do? He came on to me. Of course, I said this before, didn't I? Yeah. They either want to, they either want to shag you. Absolutely. <laughs> it was so disappointing. Exactly. It was mm. so dis- It was actually, oh, it was hilarious, actually. Because in my head, I was like, Wow. Yeah. You really, what do you see when you look in the mirror? <laughs> wow. Don't we just point it out for you? Gosh. You see this? This happens to be your face. Wow. Breathe into the mirror oh, wow. and sniff. There That's is your no breath. way. Yeah. But, you know, almost I'm fascinated that you thought there would be. Yeah. Mm. And why not? Mildly fascinating. <laughs> but no. So, you know, there is there is that sense of there is no one for for us. There's no except each other. Except each other. The other thing is where when this happens, where do we go? Mm. So we're talking about uh, professional companies. We're talking about companies that are either um, it could be community interest, they could be a charity, they could just be a profit making company, and they all have regulators. All these companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But my question is really, other than making the case for yourself and almost mounting your own campaign for justice, where do you take it when something like this happens? Where do we go? And I think, sorry, Sandra. No, I was going to say, but the thing is, is that just that you've mentioned the, 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 the few sisters who are speaking out on a regular basis mm. and who have sort of raised their heads above the pulpit. Mm. And they do have the support, even though when you, you know, when you listen to some of the podcasts or listen to uh, a piece that's on the television, one of the wretched stations that they, uh, platforms that they go on, not mm. them, the platform itself, mm, mm. but you do see the support there in, either comments or yes. um, on on their podcast posts and stuff like that. Um, and especially when things like happen on, say, a grassroots level, obviously if you're working for a proper organisation, there is going to an industrial tribunal, which has been made quite difficult. But, the uh, in, you know, in my experience, um, it's cut and dry. Yeah. If you've not done this or you've if you've sacked somebody... And you haven't gone through the correct stages, mm. 
you've proved your case. Yeah. It's an unfair dismissal. Mm -hmm. There's no two bones about it. So nobody's going to argue that. When it's a grassroots organisation, mm. it is, and especially if it's with women, and I go back to the, the abuse thing, it's like when we talk about those cases of abuse now, when we're looking at those stats and stuff like that, where women don't even bother reporting mm. abuse to the police station because they have to go through that whole trauma of going through uh, the, the police, mm. then they have to go through the trauma of going to a court case and possibly facing their abuser. Mm. So, and I'm not comparing what I have been through to anyone else who has been in a, in a violent, abusive relationship. Mm. When it comes to the workplace and that type of abuse, I can understand why people don't try and do anything more. Mm. Because the thing was so painful before, I have to cut myself off. Yeah. Because mm. I just think, okay, I don't expect everybody to be like me, mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> I expect some sort of solidarity Absolutely. Uh, and I don't actually see any of that. Yeah, I think just answering Sandra's question about where to go. Um, Sam, like you just said, in terms of, you know, if you're working within a corporate type organisation, there, there are certain structures and standards that you can follow and, you know, there's accountability. Mm. But when you talk about charity, CIC organisations, those type of boards, mm. it's kind of left to the board. Yeah. And if the board is the perpetrator, yeah. then where do you do? What yeah. do you do? Where okay. do you go? Yeah. And as I found, there is no a higher level, mm. no high, you know, somewhere like Ofsted or Ofcom or, mm. or some external body mm. that will take these things on. Mm. There aren't. And that's what's missing. And that's mm. unfortunately one of the reasons that certain individuals get to carry on mm. they do it in one organization they move to another organization mm. they move somewhere else mm. there is no accountability yeah piece. especially if they're quite plausible yeah yeah uh -huh. yeah you know and i think that's for me that's what's missing out mm. there and if we had something like that maybe some of our organizations would be in a much better position than they are now because you have someone that you're accountable to mm -hmm. that creates standards so there's something for me um you're absolutely right. I agree with everything that you said. And I think there's something there about the governance of every organisation being what it's supposed to be. And people actually understanding what running an organisation means and, and what their responsibilities are and accountabilities are. People often mention the, um, the seven principles of public life, the Nolan principles. And, you know, everyone signs up to those. I bet you no one ever reads them. No one ever re actually reads them in a way that says, oh, okay, what does this mean to me? Oh, okay, I need to behave like this. Because mm. I bet you the organisation are signed up to those principles. They'll be in their governing documents or somewhere in a policy. This is how we agree to behave. Mm. It's down to the chair of that or the chair of that organisation needs to be the strongest, most impartial person going. And that's often where it all goes wrong. Absolutely. Mates get into that position friends and people that someone else might know who know nothing about chairing an organization but are taking up that seat and siding with the perpetrator mm. sometimes they are the perpetrator sometimes they are the perpetrator and then what happens you yeah, know absolutely Wait a minute, you're a perpetrator you know it's like <laughs> yes. it's like the rapist asking the person that's being raped oh yeah. can you give them send me the account no yeah, it doesn't yeah. work like yeah, that yeah it's really poor practice mm. actually and and you know i would go so far as to say it's dangerous practice because we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, psychological abuse, um, that sort of thing. That's not to say that there, I'm sure there are there are women out there who've suffered other 
forms of abuse in the workplace. Mm. Um, and there may well be a policy where you can escalate it. You say, I've been harassed or discriminated against or whatever, whatever. Um, and there will be organisations who do none of that. Oh, you know, oh, she said this, that and the other. Mm. Um, don't worry about it, it'll all just disappear. That sort of thing. Um, so I think you're right. I think it's about us understanding that our experience is and can be very different. I think it's interesting when you look at when culture comes into the boardroom. No one's talking about that, you know. I find that fascinating. Mm. I have worked with a number of groups now where I have seen culture in the... I've seen fights <laughs> in the boardroom. Mm. I've had to separate people in the boardroom. Oh, you bring back some tragic memories for me now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's true. And it's, it's you know, but what I said at that time is this is not appropriate. You are running an organisation. If you have beef, take it outside. But when you are in this space, it's about the organ. It's not about you. And you're right. It's that whole ego thing. So there's a couple of things. It almost feels like I want to do a call to action for the sisterhood to say if you see it, absolutely say it. But I'm not sure who we're saying it to, you know. Mm. So this is supportive, just discussing it. Yeah, and 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 I think sometimes when you, when you are a victim, I don't particularly like using that word, but that's the reality, is that you want to be heard. Mm. Your, your voice gets gaslit, it mm. gets shut down, mm. and you have to put up with all of that. Yeah. You know, there's no, um, and you think, where should I go? The, the, you know, the perpetrators are trying to shut me down. Mm. You've got other mm. people that aren't listening. Mm. Then you have to get legal involved yeah. to try and, say, step it up a level. Yeah. You know, and that's a whole other But also to issue. be very careful because it's litigious, isn't it? You have to be careful yeah. what you say and how you say it and where you say it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, for, I still stand by that for me, it's about justice, it's about what's right. Mm. And also what I don't want to do, and I, and I, when people ask me why I put myself through this, I could have just walked away. Mm. You know, it's because I don't want another woman yeah. to experience what I've experienced. Right. And now for me to say, oh, yeah, by the way, that happened to me a few mm. years ago. Mm. And I get why women feel that they can't do it. And as Sandra mentioned, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. You know, being part of the, in terms of the criminal justice system, by the time things get to court it has been years and you're having to sit there and recount what's happened to you mm. so i really understand why women don't want to do it mm. Mm. but we have to you know we have to stand up to, to to these people no matter how painful it is yeah because you know they're carrying on like nothing's happened mm. they're pretending that they're that you know that they're community-minded and they're here for the right reasons mm. but you're not no you know if you if you to dig deep into some of the things they've done you, you wouldn't have them on your boards mm. you wouldn't no mm. organization would Not think fit. about no I'd be frightened to have some of these people on my board mm. I'd be frightened to have them in particular positions in in organizations where they perhaps could have influence on what happens to people in the community mm. I'd be worried so for me you need to watch out who these people are yeah. and if You've got concerns, you need to talk out mm. because they will do it again. They yeah. will impact someone else. They will hurt someone. And it might even get worse. And some of the things I've heard in terms of what some people have said, it's not, it's beyond sexist for me. It's mm. absolutely disgraceful. Mm. Some of the commentary that I've heard around one particular individual, mm. you know, it's worrying. Yeah. It's worrying stuff. So I suppose, you know, in thinking about what, because I'm always into the next steps, what do we, what do we do? 
where do we go with this? I think it's, it, you know, what I like about today's world is that networks form very easily. I don't know if there is a network of black women in the media. I bet there is. But, you know, is this a conversation that's worth continuing? Um, I don't know what the solution is because this is a, um, we're talking about organisations that are registered in some way. And so there is, you know, there's there's governance and there are ways of reporting things, but nothing ever changes. We both know that. Um, but it's interesting to me, you know, I think it's enough. I'm, I'm really appreciating both of you being very candid about your experiences because that's where it starts. Being very real and very open about what you have experienced as um, senior black women working in the media and working in organisations because I've always said it and I always will say it and you know this is with experience of coaching women of colour as well our journey is different mm. the obstacles in our way are different what we have to negotiate and navigate is different yeah. and I think very few people appreciate just how tricky it could be. If you thought actually it was bad, <laughs> it was bad enough navigating through, you know, a fairly a fairly stodgy, um, white led, for want of a better phrase, organisation, and you're putting up with all the you know the stuff that goes on in that. Oh, imagine what it's like when actually you are disrespected by your own kind, in effect, because you're just too too much you're too much mm. yeah and it. that's ridiculous in this day and age well they think we're too much they're just too little there it is <laughs> you said it you said it baby that's exactly it i'm sorry that you've both had that experience i'm glad that we've had a chance to air it and mm. talk about it though and i think it will be I, i'm minded to actually you know follow a few of these people i've got on my list here um, and actually look at this network thing. Maybe there is a, maybe there could be a local network here in Bristol, you know, women of colour in the media. There isn't one. There isn't one. No, there is one, uh, well, it's women in radio. But there, there are different types of media organisations, but it doesn't mean that you can't set one up. There you go. You know, there you go. Because um, I think Tree of Wisdom is what I would like to say to somebody going yes. into an organisation um, like this. And uh, Sanji mentioned armour. Mm. Always wear your armour. Yes. Um, never let your guard down. Mm. <laughs> your phone. Never let your guard down. Uh, and, uh, you know, regardless of what's happening, always be on your guard. Absolutely right. Yeah, and, you know, just following on from that, San, I think um, it's important to not lose yourself yes. in this. Yes. And you can. Don't lose your values. Don't lose the things that you've been instilled with because you're frightened and because you're worried. People are always worried. What are you worried about? Mm. You know? Um, So be confident in yourself and your ability because sometimes this can get... um, It it, it makes you doubt yourself and you shouldn't. Yeah, which is what it's intended to do. Yeah. Because I've seen you, I've watched you over the last couple of years and it has really really taking you down some paths that mm. you did not want to have to go down mm. and it has been stressful and awful and frustrating mm. uh, uh, absolutely san and i just want to say i want to thank the two sans for being my helping to be my armor mm. during the, during this time because it it has been challenging anytime since. yeah anytime has been challenging and 
San, I like the the idea of there are going to be other sisters out there mm-hmm. that have gone through stuff like this. Yeah, call out to us, yeah. you know. And it's about creating a network. It's about the opportunity to speak about it without Absolutely. feeling that you you can't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I think I admire you both actually, but and and I think for me, um, the shock was it could happen to you two too. <laughs> that was the shock for me. It was like. Really? Uh, you mm. know, given where you are, and it absolutely, the, the pair of you went through the ringer. Yeah. Absolute ringer because of a particular person mm. who had a lot of power and it wasn't deserved. So I think, you know, kudos to the pair of you, and I'm showing my appreciation for you um, actually carrying on as professionals and be just taking the high road, which has been, you know... <laughs> I can imagine that you didn't always want to take the high road. <laughs> no, but no. you know what? Sometimes, Sam, people say time. Sometimes, you yeah. know, you become quite impatient when you're going through stuff like this. Yeah. You just want it over and done with. Yeah. But it's amazing what time will happen because mm. time will make you mash up your own thing. Yeah. As my mother would say, sometimes if you dig one grave, make sure you dig two. <laughs> because I can see a couple of them did drop down in a certain grave. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so sometimes time yes. is good as well. Do you know, you're absolutely right, because I'm a massive believer in karma. Mm. And also, I've mentioned it before, because I'm a Scorpio, I'll wait seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait that lag, sir. I can't oh, wait. I, I wait. can't I'll wait that lag. You <laughs> see? Patient. Yeah, yeah. You see, need to learn some I, Scorpio yeah, patience. I, I can wait years. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my years, gosh. Oh, years, years. And I will sit and watch like a spider in exactly. a web. Like with your mouth. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I know it's coming. Oh, my gosh, ladies. Maybe I, I have to learn this. It must be the fiery Leo. We just want the ting bun up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly what it is. Leo people. <laughs> I, I tell you, you should have burned. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want it to. <laughs> All right, son. I go with your decision. Me, I will burn you. Yes. I'm just going to sit there. Chipping my fingers together, exactly. waiting, waiting. Thank you so much, my darlings. That's really candid of you. Um, and there's lots for us to learn here. And yeah, we would love to hear from her. But, you know, any other women of colour working in media who are experiencing things that they know from their own community, their own community, that's the worst. Mm. Yeah, I would say that, uh, that if you do have any of those types of issues or you've got any concerns or you just want to write a letter and tell us about your own experience. Oh, it'd be lovely. Yeah. For now, that's it. Until the next episode, but uh, you can listen to this podcast on any of the platforms that you normally go to. Yeah, and hopefully give us some feedback. Yes. That'd be good. That would be lovely. And we very much look forward to seeing you on the next edition. Thank you, sisters. Thank you. Stand tall. Just listen to your calling, get up, girl, stand tall. Sometimes the toughest critic is your own self-doubt. But listen, don't be scared, you're not alone. I'll fix your crown when you feel down. Get it, get it, girl, aim high, the world's your oyster. I want to see you on a billboard or a poster. Your time is now, be strong. Take your seat at the table, you're more than able. Yeah, you go, girl. Yeah, you go, girl. Get up, stand tall.